0: This, this,
1: this, this is mythical.
0: Just a quick warning before we get started. Due to the nature of this week's guest's content, this week's Ear Biscuit is going to contain some sexually explicit conversation.
2: So if you don't think you should be listening to specifically sexually explicit conversation, you can skip this Ear Biscuit and join us next week. You've been warned.
0: Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. Joining us today, once again from VidCon, where we recorded a handful of Ear Biscuits, uh, is one of the most notable internet personalities with a focus on sex education on YouTube, Lacey Green. In case you aren't familiar with Lacey, she describes herself as a sex
2: education activist and her YouTube channel is home to her very frank video series about sex called Sex Plus, the number one sex education show on YouTube. The channel currently has 1.3 million subscribers and has racked up over 113 million video views.
0: Now, Lacey offers advice and support that covers a wide variety of topics. Here's a few of the titles of her videos just to give you an idea of what she covers. 10 Secret Vagina Facts. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Feminism in Horror Films. A is for Abstinence. Shaving Pubes. Wow. And Transgender Adventure. No matter what you're looking for in sex education, I think the point is, chances are Lacey has at least one video for you. And she has a great answer for why she
2: titles the videos the way that she does, but we certainly got into a lot more than just titles of the videos. we talked to Lacey about her background, which includes growing up in a strict Mormon household and why she decided to leave the Mormon religion, uh, why she became interested in sex education and feminist activism in the first place, and what led her to create her YouTube channel Sex Plus, and also her MTV web series Braless that she's been hosting for going on three seasons now.
0: And also towards the end of the podcast, we talked in depth about the entire Sam Pepper incident. Uh, She was uh, very centrally involved in that. She recounts the story from the beginning and helps us hone in an important message for all of us in the YouTube community. So make sure that you stick around to listen to that. We really had a great time talking with Lacey, getting to know her and her story and we know that you'll enjoy this biscuit too. But first, we wanna remind you to check out our animated song biscuits on our YouTube channel, Good Mythical Morning. You guys know song biscuits. We wrote songs with Ear Biscuit guests with input from Twitter, and then we released those on Saturdays. Well, now we've animated our favorite ones on GMM, so make sure you uh, look for that.
2: Yeah, on Saturdays on the Good Mythical Morning channel. Now, on to the biscuit.
0: So you've got an interesting water bottle here that you brought. We provide little waters, but you brought your own thing cuz you didn't you didn't oh. know if we were going to do that for you. I, I wasn't fine. sure. I
1: was like maybe they're going to skimp on the water out here. You know maybe <laughs> You Vinca.
0: know they See, it has a built-in cup.
1: It does. It's also, you know, I'm can all about the environmentalism. It, can you
0: describe it like it's a vagina? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> we're just living. gonna we're just gonna let's go just, there right away, just. not even
1: just ease into it. We're just gonna go all the I way. I just
0: assume, I assumed I didn't even have to say that. If you were like, well, I'm gonna tell you about my water bottle, but I'm gonna do it in terms of a vagina.
1: Uh, there's a lot of parts missing on this water bottle. I mean, there's yeah, a hole. That's gonna be a tough analogy. That's about analogy. the extent I think. But of it's the vagina got, analogy. It is
0: a weird uh, water bottle. I mean, it's it's got a cup it's on not top. That
2: weird. I mean, it, is there it, a valve?
1: Do you see this? There's no valve. Like right in there. No, no, It no, just, just pours t- out. It
2: just in it the works vulva? With, It works with it works with gravity. <laughs> there's no vulva. Well, there's I, no vulva. You know
1: no clitoris either. It's just. I, I gotta
2: say, I was, was expecting Lacey to kind of take the conversation there naturally. Oh, but I mean, you can feel free to just start there. I mean, that's <laughs> be, well, because you know, honestly, one of the questions that we did have for you uh-huh. is, you know, we we're, we're at VidCon. Yes, and this is like the pinnacle of fan interaction right this mm-hmm. is when it gets real real
1: it is so real out there right now
2: so when when you you said that like this is the middle of a zombie apocalypse and we've, and <laughs> we've, ta- like we've taken refuge right now it is so oh, you real, said real it. out there
0: you said it man
2: um but during this time do you find yourself like how often do people come up and do what Link just did. Like immediately ask a question Can like, you
0: describe your water bottle as if it's a vagina? Or, or I can't or more, say I've gotten that. More one
2: specifically just coming up and being like, I really need some sex advice right
0: now. Right yeah.
1: Here. It happens.
0: Oh, it does? Yeah,
1: it happens, but I think it happens well, less tell us than about people it. might
0: but when it did happen, what happened?
1: People I think they just kinda of hold on to their questions and then they pull me aside. Really, you know, secretly, hey, can I ask you a quick question? Or, hey, I love your work. Can I just ask you a really quick question? Oh, like, oh, it's never no, a quick it question. Comes. It's What's never a quick question. question. Like,
0: You've been asked a question here at VidCon?
1: Um, yes. What? I have. I feel like I'm betraying someone. About- okay, okay, okay it's anonymous, was. right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> just about like period stuff, sex stuff. If the condom was on right. I'm worried that it broke. Well, do you think I should take plan B? You know, just oh, kind okay. of like. Teenagers who are worried about doing sex right and there's a lot of Mm. concern about a lot of the Urgent questions. I get are worried that like oh my god Do I have an STD or am I like putting myself at risk for pregnancy even if they're the safest ever Like sometimes people describe the safest sex in the world that you can have as safe as it can be right Mm -hmm. And they're still scared and so they have these questions And this is the type of email that I get the most too so when people are talking to me in person and on email and on Twitter the urgent, like, please answer right now. I, I already know what it's about. You know, it's the sex fear stuff.
2: Right. And so when you get those questions in an environment like VidCon or just on the street, wherever,
1: mm-hmm.
2: is there a, okay, I'm going to take this time because I, I can't imagine this obligation. You know, <laughs> we just get asked to be funny and then do a little bit, something funny, and then we move on, right? Yeah. Or just a picture. <laughs> Yeah. Which that's easy compared to what you are being asked to do.
0: No one has ever asked us about a no. broken condom.
2: Right, they're like, <laughs> we know we know your guys condoms don't work. There's enough children to, but like, like, we don't sell condoms planet. in our merch store. <laughs> but, so, so, maybe you
1: should, I mean, there's an should, enterprise there.
2: No, Thank you. <laughs> Do you have like a go-to thing which is like, okay, I'm gonna give you a short and sweet answer, I'm gonna be sympathetic and try to, or I'm just gonna be like, listen, you know, I do this, yes, for a living, but, I'm not a doctor, and if you really have a question about this, you, like, how, how, what do you do?
1: It's just like talking to a friend, right? So you're like, here's what I know about what you told me. Here's the best advice that I can give you. I'm obviously not a doctor. If you're really worried about something, please go see a doctor. You know, And a lot of time, people are just looking for a little bit of like, someone knows my You know, Mm. my struggle, my secret, my fear, my worry right now. So I can be that person for them, right? I can be like, hey, it's okay. Like, this is a common thing. A lot of people deal with this. Um, Here's probably, you know, based on what you're saying to me, here's probably what's going on. You probably don't have anything to worry about. But if you are worried, go get tested or go to the doctor. But you also
0: can't reply to every email. Once you start talking about the emails that you get.
1: Mm, No, I cannot do that. There's too many emails.
0: Man, that I mean, that seems like... A weighty reality to know that people are emailing you in desperation, but it's not even feasible for you to reply to all these people. Yeah. Even if you hired a team.
1: Yeah, that's true. I do have a lot of anxiety about the amount of email that I get and the, the seriousness of some of the questions. Like, there's some really serious stuff that yeah. people come to me with. And I cannot, you're right. Like, I cannot handle all of that myself. And I've just had to make a disclaimer, you know, on my website if this is an emergency i can't be 911 you know i just can't i'm one human being yeah um and this is a lot of stuff across a, you know a huge spectrum of topics too that i'm not always an expert in you know
2: right yeah i mean i would say that every once in a while like we'll see like a question or somebody will tweet me like you know this person sometimes it to be something like this person really wants to harm themselves can you mm-hmm. guys and if that happens once every four months for us, I can imagine that happens once every four hours for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot more. Cause I think people feel like they can talk to me about it. Yeah, So they do, you know?
0: Yeah, when right. you're so, I mean, how would you describe, you know, your tone? Blatantly honest, in your face, just, how do you describe it?
1: Yeah, I, I think those are good words um, to describe what I do. I think it's really frank, frank. and also oh, very friendly. Word. You know, I'm a friend. Uh, that's the way that I think of my relationship with the people that watch my videos is I'm not your doctor. I'm not your teacher. I'm not your lawyer. I'm not this. I'm your friend. I happen to have a little bit more knowledge about some of these areas, so I can probably help you out. But then the day I'm just a friend and I'm just a person, you know, who happens to be interested in these and these right. topics, and I do my homework and stuff. So I try to help people out because I'm pretty good at research, and you know I have a lot of research training in my education. So I think that I can bring that skill set to people and make information more accessible. So mm-hmm. I think those are the types of you know the way that people digest my content and the way that I see it.
0: Mm-hmm. And you found yourself being the modern day Doctor Ruth of the internet. Is that a <laughs> title that you'll own?
1: Um, Doctor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dr. You, Ruth is like Dr. such a
1: character, I don't know if I can compare myself to her. She's a hoot.
0: It, she's still living, right?
1: Yes. But what? did
2: you, but have you like, what came first? Were you already doing this and then you found out about Dr. Ruth or did you know about Dr. Ruth like like growing up?
1: I knew about Dr. Ruth. Oh, come on. Who doesn't know about Dr. Ruth? Well, I don't huh?
0: know, we're old.
1: You didn't know about Doctor Ruth. No,
0: we did, but we we, we we didn't know if no one knows about her. Sometimes we don't know. Like, okay, well, For the past fifteen years, maybe she's fallen out of vogue.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think people know who Doctor Ruth is. Okay, Uh that's good. I think that put that down down in
0: relevant cultural references. Do you you own the title
1: (laughs) of like a modern day Doctor Ruth?
0: Yeah, I don't mean like own the domain name. I just mean like, (laughs) are you comfortable? You should have .biz, .net, .com. Modern
1: day Doctor Ruth or the
0: Internet .biz? Not
1: a bad idea. Um, no, I don't really own that as my title, I guess. A lot of people use that to describe me, but I guess right. I just see it as a little bit different what I do than what she does. Um, I don't know. Well, you don't she's, have the accent. I don't have the thing. accent. And she's a little bit more harsh, I hmm. want to say. She's kind of got like a... I she's, think
0: she's crotchety, she's which cr- seems like a weird pun. <laughs> uh, really, yeah. It's a but perfect it's
1: pun, though. It's a perfect one. Yeah, she is. she's a little bit more like, uh, take new. No- you know, she doesn't mm-hmm. want to mess around or like deal with your feelings. I'm I'm more okay with talking about feelings and like, how are you doing? Like the emotional well, your side style of things. Is, your
0: style is different, but that that's why you're the modern day internet version of her. <laughs> right. Yeah. So
1: you're saying I'm like the, the 2.0. Two, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Ruth 2.0. All
1: right. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it.
0: You are now taking that.
1: I'm taking it. Biz. I'm, I'm owning it. But yeah. it definitely, Domains you know,
0: all. Uh, so it, you have been
2: described that way by, like, it seems like the kind of thing that, like, if, like, a traditional news outlet is trying to explain who you are, that mm-hmm. that's, that would be, like, the go-to. We yeah. we think, like, traditional news outlet people is what we're trying to say. What does MTV yeah. call you? He's the Dr. Ruth, the modern-day Dr. Ruth.
1: <laughs> Except for I'm not a doctor either. Like, oh. like that's also a big word,
2: yeah. right? <laughs> uh, what, is, what does MTV call you?
1: Um... I, that's a good question. <laughs> they don't really they call me Lacey.
2: Is sexpert a word?
1: Sexpert is a word. People use that word to describe me too. I feel very uncomfortable with any of the really authoritative titles, right? Like doctor, expert. Um, all of these things. I'm not a doctor, like that's a formal designation mm-hmm. right but even expert is thrown around a little bit more especially in the internet age like who's an expert mm-hmm. what makes you an expert and people have referred to me as an expert
2: but yeah. sexpert is just so wait it's just like it's okay don't take me too seriously not really an expert i'm a sexpert
1: right it's kind of like a little bit of a sexual obviously i mean sex <laughs> but it's like sexualized a little bit it's like yeah like i'm a sexpert okay. you know? got it. Right. <laughs> at least how, that's how i've heard people use it um, and when people use it to describe me, I feel like there's a little bit of that.
2: Uh, okay, I got it.
1: I'm okay with it. Though. Which is
2: it? We want to get into that too because okay. we, we want to. We, but I think we should save it because we want to get into the uh, some of the the do's and don'ts of uh, for things. People sh- terminology people should avoid in mm-hmm. your opinion. But let's get back to the origin of all of this. The origin of Lacey, mm-hmm. and how you got to this place where you are this person that speaks uh, to so many people about these subjects in a powerful mm-hmm. way. So let's go back to the very beginning. Where are you from?
1: Okay. Where am I from? Well, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Okay. And then came over to Sacramento. And now I'm in the Bay Area. So
2: I've had okay. a little
0: bit so of Okay, you've a... stayed on the West Coast.
1: Yeah, I'm a West Coast girl, <laughs> for sure. And your
0: parents are like an interesting combo of awesomeness.
1: Yeah. Tell my... us about that. <laughs> my parents are really awesome. Um, I didn't always feel that way. <laughs> and I'm pretty open about that online, which creates a little bit of awkwardness between uh-huh. us, right? Because yeah, right. it's a little real. Um, but yeah, they are Mormon. Um, and I grew up Mormon. Mm-hmm. So that has been a really played a really big role in getting me to where I'm at. I
0: and think. your dad is Iranian.
1: He is, yeah, he's from Iran.
0: And your mom is like what you would Picture a Mormon to be like a white lady. <laughs>
1: She's a white lady. Yeah, <laughs> your mom is a white lady. And even my dad, he's like a pretty—he's pretty white for an Iranian too. He's okay. Got, like Iranian, they have like olive skin. My dad does a little bit, but he's pretty white looking as well, which is why people don't usually pick up that uh, you know half my family's from Iran.
0: Right.
2: Okay. Um. And, and how did they meet?
1: They met in college. Um, they both went to BYU, okay. which was at that time called Ricks College, and it was just a junior college, and then they turned it into the big giant university. Right. Yeah.
0: So they both they were both Mormon even before they met. So they met through through Mor- the Mormon yeah. Church and the Mormon exactly. uh, college.
1: Yes. Yes. Got they it. Both ended up there somehow.
2: Okay. And being from a Mormon family, do you have lots of brothers and sisters?
1: Uh, not as many as a lot of Mormon families. <laughs> I think my parents were like, whoa, raising kids is really hard. I think we're done. Um, so I have two siblings, just a younger okay. brother and a younger, si- uh, younger sister. Okay,
2: so you're the oldest. Yes, Got it.
1: I'm the oldest.
2: And okay, so what was growing up like? I mean, what was your, your, your house like and uh, what were you into?
1: It, it was chill. <laughs> I feel like I had a good you know upbringing, but when I was a teenager, a lot of things started to change for me in my political awakening. So, you know, I am really close to my family. We're really tight and are to this day. We kind of have like that, you know, we're blood, we stick together mentality, but there are some kind of real cracks in that, right? Because of our political differences.
0: So did you, your political awakening, how did that happen? Is that like, cause you met like hikers in Utah? Cause that's <laughs> how it works, right? There's like Mormons in Utah and then there's like Rock climbers, right? That's like, true. Who like are, have different ideas about the the world yeah. and religion and yeah, that's rocks. true.
1: But my awakening was not in Utah; it was in Sacramento ah, because I was it, a teenager yeah. in Sacramento got and I was it. starting to, which is a little bit different than than Utah in a lot of ways. Actually, no
0: hikers in Sacramento.
1: There are some, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a much more liberal place, but still pretty conservative by California standards, right? right? right. Um, so I just kind of felt like at odds with a lot of the ideas that I was being fed and just sort of felt really critical of a lot of the religious stuff that I had been brought up to believe was the truth about the world.
2: So do you remember like thinking, you know, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people, uh, from a religious background probably go through this where they're just sort of like, "Mm, I don't know if I buy this. Sometimes it's sometimes it's you hear a different perspective. Sometimes it's just, it kind of just hits you. Do, mm-hmm. do you remember like a seminal event?
1: Yes, there was a seminal event when I was um, in the church. They separate you out by gender. So all the women go to certain classes and all the young men go to certain classes. And the classes I was taking were like, about raising a family, getting prepared to have kids, cooking, sewing, it was very, the community was all around very traditional gender Mm -hmm. roles. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, I've always been a a massive nerd and I wanted to be a doctor, I was so set on it. By the time, when when I was like nine years old, I was like, I wanna be a gynecologist. I was all about it. Like Mm -hmm. I was ready to do the vagina thing. (laughs) And then the Mormon church sort of, you know, made my dreams come crashing down. Uh So as a nine
0: year old, you wanted to be a gynecologist. Yes how did
1: <laughs> you have the funniest look on your face right now like, is what possible what
0: i mean have you had you been to a gynecologist
1: oh no but i knew there are baby doctors oh you know i wanted to be i didn't say mom i want to be a gynecologist it was more like i want to be the one that delivers the babies and make okay. sure is that make sure that girls and women are healthy Got right it. interested in women's health stuff
0: mm-hmm. okay so my okay. parents
1: bought me like a bunch of books about it they totally encouraged me to learn about it mm-hmm. and you know, that was something I was completely immersed in, but it's not something that's encouraged in the church so much. That was not my experience. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to go to med school and stuff. They want you to be a mom, and I okay. was not okay with that.
2: Right. And so, what'd you do? I left.
1: <laughs> I was like, peace out. Did you? <laughs> I'm okay, done.
2: But there's a, we, uh, you know, there's always more of a process than that, right? So
1: Yeah, but that uh, was the catalyst.
2: What Was it a, um, this isn't right? I'm not cool with this. Let me talk to my parents about it. You know, wh- how did that, that doubt begin to express itself?
1: Yeah, I just, I started feeling really alienated going to church. So I tried to stop going and that's where the conversation started to come up, right? Like, why don't you want to go arguing with my parents about it as a teenager and expressing feelings of basically what I was picking up on was a lot of sexism mm. in the church. And I didn't have the words for it at that time. Um, and my parents didn't really either. <laughs> so it was like a lot of fighting and clashing um, over figuring out why I was no longer willing. And I slowly just moved away from it and tried to find a new community. And that's a big part of how I found YouTube was leaving the church. Because when you're in the Mormon church, your entire life yeah. revolves around it and everyone you know. So if you decide this feels really bad inside for me, which I did, where do you go? Who do you talk to? And Who's especially your Especially at what
0: now? age?
2: I mean-
1: 15, 14 Yeah, life. that's the
2: time. I mean, there's so much change taking place personally. There is. Without time. any sort of upheaval mm-hmm. otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: there is a... You don't even have a license at this point. You can't even like literally drive away.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like the worst feeling ever. When you're a teenager, you have no control. You know, you just want so much control. There's like this big battle with parents and it was very much the case for me, plus all the political stuff on top, you know?
2: So it seems like it was a... Um, It was an issue with the values, right? You Mm -hmm. know, even in your Draw My Life video, when you put the, you have the Mormon Church up on the, the whiteboard, Mm -hmm. you you write sexist, racist, homophobic around that. You don't (laughs) say that, but you write it. Yes, Uh, that's how I feel about it. Was that a, um, was it mostly that the sort of the value issue that like I don't agree with these values? Was there any of the like, which often happens, like an intellectual. Like, I also don't believe what they believe, this stuff about Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z, that I'm gonna have a planet or whatever, you know, I know (laughs) there's lots of mischaracterization Uh, about that, but. But
1: there's a lot of weird stuff that's real. So was that
2: any part of it too?
1: Yeah, I think that came later for me because I started to doubt all the gender role stuff and then I started thinking more critically about what I was being told and opening my mind about the world and maybe what, trying to seek truth, right? Trying to figure out my own truth, figuring out who I am, what I believe, And when I started looking more into it, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff. And it doesn't make sense. And also, I was really into science. So it was like, this does not fit with Mm -hmm. the scientific view of the world. Um, And that was a big conflict, too, like religion or science, which and I was very, you know, already heading away from religion. So Mm -hmm. science just kind of nailed the you know, the hammer and the, co- the yeah. nail in the coffin for me. Yeah, you-,
0: you don't want to bury the hammer. You <laughs> gotta <laughs> use the hammer. Don't bury
1: that, you need that. To
0: seal the coffin. Or to get out if you accidentally get buried alive. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. Only bury the hammer if you're also being buried.
2: Right. <laughs> so did you, it, at that time, did, what was the re- relationship with your parents? And, and also how much younger were the, your brothers and your brother and sister?
1: Um. At, at what point?
2: Like during this like 14, 15, 16 questioning,
1: yeah it wasn't a good at that point my relationship with my parents was not great you know mm-hmm. that was where i think a lot of our conflicts begin um because we were fighting a lot about um our values our beliefs about the church about god whether or not god exists mm-hmm. um and i became very staunchly atheist when i was about 16 or 17 and like really got into that whole thing. You know, there's a big atheist community online. Yeah. That was a part of my coming of age. I don't really identify with that anymore, but it helped me have like a place that I could feel like, oh, this is where I belong, right? A so better you, place for me.
0: So without a license, you, your way to get away and to establish your own sense of self apart from the church and your immediate family was the internet. Yes,
1: and, and Athe- atheists, specifically.
0: atheist specifically. Com- Uh, community online Mm -hmm. and also youtube okay yes how did youtube fit into that
1: um youtube was where a lot of people were making videos about their religious flight (laughs) people were talking about being alienated by their beliefs or their parents beliefs there was a lot of teenagers and stuff on there. older people as well
0: did you start making the videos then too yes so you, you followed suit. You said, I can make one of those too. I'm just not going wa- to be a consumer. I'm going to be a contributor.
1: Right. Yeah. And I actually didn't start making videos about the religion stuff. I started making videos about homophobia. Okay. Oh, that was my – but homophobia in the church. So I was talking mm-hmm. about – I was talking about a lot of the issues that I talk about today as I experienced them in the church. Um, and that's kind of where I jumped onto the YouTube bandwagon.
2: And so that process – of Okay, so when did you start YouTube? How old were you at the time?
1: I was 18, 17 or 18.
2: Okay. Yeah. And then, so right, you're starting and then you go off to college.
1: Yes, I actually went off to college when I was 15. Oh. Yeah, I graduated really early. But I did the community college thing, so I still lived at home. But yeah, I was already in college at that point.
2: Okay, so around that time. Yeah. So, yeah, because let's talk about, tell us about how the, you know, obviously you already said that at age nine, you were like, I want to be a gynecologist. <laughs> but when the sex education thing beca- you know, became an interest and also began to incorporate itself into your content.
1: Yeah, I think when I started becoming sexually active was when that came on my mind, which was about, you know, 18, 17, 18. Um, sex is a big part of your life as a teenager. You're having all these new feelings and these experiences. And I felt very ill-equipped mm-hmm. to handle it all. And so it became an interest of mine. You know, I just kind of learned everything that I could, absorbed everything that I could um, about sexuality and gender and all these issues that were affecting me. And I thought, hey, there are probably other people out there who don't, who, who feel the same way as I do, right? They don't have the answers. They don't have anyone to talk to. Let's start a community here. And that's when I sort of shifted gears. And I was doing a lot of sex ed stuff on my college campus when I went to Berkeley around that time. So it all kind of fit together for me.
0: Right. And so you made a YouTube video called How to Make Fluffy Chocolate Chip Muffins. <laughs> <laughs> exclamation point.
2: Yeah, that was a great
0: application. Oh my
1: that. god, the digging skills. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's online. Yeah, I know. Well, I it, forgot about that. that. that's your in fairness, the first video that at least is still public. I don't know how many you've privated earlier, yeah, but a it, lot, a, we a all lot do that. of videos. It's about birth control, the Nuva Ring review. You're reviewing that.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And, and and then you had an update going off of the Nuva Ring a little bit later and then there were you know it seemed like you were kind of finding your way. Mm-hmm. It it became less about chocolate chip muffins and more about <laughs> sex education on your channel.
1: Don't be fooled though, my life is still very much about chocolate chip
0: muffins. Whose is it? Right?
1: Real, that's real. Yeah. No, it it I think like I just was uploading stuff that was interesting to me. Like a lot of YouTubers, right? Sure. They just upload like random stuff and fa- they find their way and
0: yeah. and seeing what resonates.
1: With the audience and also what makes me feel excited. Right. Like what kind of content I want to make and that makes me feel fulfilled and proud of what I'm putting online.
0: So no, the nexus was sex. <laughs> yeah. Sexist. It was. The nexus was sexist.
1: There we go. It's actually very <laughs> fitting. Um, yeah, no, the, the sex stuff was relevant and also I I found a lot of people want a place to talk about it. Hmm. There wasn't really anywhere online. There's more places now to talk about that stuff as a teenager, but... But it really wasn't especially not on YouTube. The only stuff that was talking about sexuality on YouTube was sexy. It was like Yeah, right. Hey, like here's this vibrator. Come check it out. You have to be 18 year old and watch the video. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't like let's talk about the experience of figuring out sex as an 18-year-old.
2: And do you feel I mean you kind of already said this uh early on when you said that you felt like your background in the Mormon Church really contributed to, you know, your perspective and what you're doing now. It almost feels like um, your background and sort of the philosophy of the Mormon church is a compass, an anti-compass for where you want to take things. It's like, <laughs> yeah. if, you know, I'm going to go in the exact opposite direction of what I saw that that perspective mm-hmm. accomplish.
1: At first, definitely. There was like a lot, like I said, that the whole atheist thing, it was definitely a, a rebellious thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I don't feel like it's so much just trying to not be the Mormon church, right? right? I actually have much more respect for the place of religions now and like what religion, the intersections between religion and sexuality, my viewpoint has matured. Hmm. And I think that, you know, a lot of people, because of my past, see me as like the anti. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. And part of it is because I don't talk about that part anymore. Right. Like how my views of, on a re- religion and God in the world have evolved, that's not what I do online anymore. Right. So, I'm kind of like in the sense, like a lot of people are stuck with my. 17-year-old self on in a lot of ways. Right.
2: Well, it's interesting because I'd say still probably the majority of the world still kind of gets their perspective on sexuality from some holy book, whether that's the Quran or the Bible, the Book of Mormon, right? Absolutely, yeah. And so it's like, it's a lot of, well, this has been prescribed by God, Mm -hmm. and so therefore, I'm going to, this is what I'm gonna do. Mm -hmm. So as someone who is you know, like you said, it's not like some rebellious rejection at this point, but it, it was a rejection, and you you don't prescribe subscribe to that anymore. So, where do your guiding principles for the advice that you give, where, where does that come from?
1: Well, my philosophy has become one that sexuality is a part of life. It's natural. It's healthy. We need to be safe about it. We need to be real about it. We need to arm people with information. Knowledge is power, you know, all that good stuff. And I think that the guiding philosophy is there's nothing wrong with your body. There's nothing wrong with sexuality. Really what we want to do is be real about how people feel and make sure that they're equipped to be safe so that we can minimize harm. Like, mm-hmm. like in public health terms, I'm very much about harm reduction. I'm not about telling you what to do, what not to do, but to figure out how to do whatever you're going to do in the safest way possible. Mm-hmm. So when I'm giving advice to people about relationships or sexuality or gender or whatever, it's very focused on taking care of the person and making sure that they're safe
0: and What about when it comes to harm of the heart, you know, <laughs> uh, as a dad, you know, I'm I'm very much concerned about the the health of my kids' hearts, yes. you know, and It's
1: an important thing to be healthy.
0: and helping mm-hmm. them navigate you know, uh, the realities of sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your interface with that? You know, you're not your audience's mom or Mm -hmm. even their older sister. I know you're saying you're trying to be their friend, but um, it starts to get a little more dicey when you're talking about the health of someone's heart. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, what does that mean about monogamy?
1: Yes, oh, there's a lot of big Tricky questions that I, as like a human being outside of the internet, am figuring out. When you say of the heart, though, issues of the heart. What do you, what do you mean by that? Like well, their feelings it, or their soul?
0: <laughs> um, emotionally, mm-hmm. in, in the simplest form. Uh, in contrast to when you talk about safe sex, and you say, okay, well, safe sex physically, mm-hmm. and what the, that you're not going to get uh, STD. Or you're not going to have the, an, the emotional, an unwanted pregnancy, Totally, the yeah, emotional side thinking. of sexuality. Yeah,
1: I think I do address that too. Because okay. I think, well, what we know from the research, and there's been a lot of research on this because of all the abstinence programs, mm-hmm. is we know that when we arm people with information about the physical stuff and help them feel empowered about their bodies, they do actually wait longer to do sexual stuff. So I think that that's healthy. I think that kids should, should wait, you know, a little longer um, than a lot of them do and the best way to do that is not to say you need to stop and you know suppress all of your feelings they're not okay this is wrong you need to wait and wag your finger but to arm them with information and have the conversation about what it means to be ready to have sex you know what does it mean to have a relationship with someone what are the things that come up can we talk about that openly can we figure that out um instead of telling people what to do like, right. It's really the telling what to do in always with the best of intentions, right? I actually think that the absence mo- m- movement does have some good intentions at heart. They just want to protect the heart, right? Mm-hmm. But it's misguided because that's not how it's not what teenagers respond to, and that's not how we're actually going to protect them. It, mm-hmm. it, it's ca- maybe a little counterintuitive, but it, it doesn't work that way. Both in my experience and by the data, you know, right. it shows us. That's not how it's going down out
0: there. So what do you say uh, to your audience about the emotional impacts of becoming sexually active? If you're talking to like kids who are just beginning to explore that.
1: Yeah. So a lot of the stuff, I mean, I I talk mostly to women, right? And a lot of what I talk to young women about is it's okay to say no. And it's important to have someone respect your body and respect your boundaries. And empowering them personally to know that they can say and do what they want to do. And a lot of the time, they're feeling pressured to have sex. If you say, hey, your decisions are your decisions and it's totally valid, let's talk about what those feelings or how, where you're at with it. They feel empowered to wait a little longer, right? And to, and to protect themselves more. I just, yeah. Is that kind of where you were going with that? Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: definitely. And I, I, I guess my only other, my, my curiosity was the, the why behind waiting, because it's easy to talk about the mechanics of the biology of it or even the empowerment of this, it's my decision, but then the impact of. Um,
2: well, what if your decision as a 13-year-old girl is like, I wanna have sex?
0: Yeah. You know, it's like, you know. How do you quantify the emotional and Metaphysical impact of that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's tricky stuff. And I think that, you know, a lot of kids, because we live in such a sexually prude and simultaneously hypersexual culture, we mm. have really a lot of extremes going on. Kids are left without the guidance, the realistic guidance that they need. So talking to the 13 year old who wants to have sex is very complicated, not just because you're 13, but because of all of the the culture that exists around this, the context of the 13-year-old's life. Mm -hmm. So unpacking all that stuff is really important too, which is how I kind of came to more of the feminist content that I put online. Because I want to empower girls as people so that their sexuality is empowered as well and they're making decisions based on what they want and what's right for them.
2: Do you have somebody in mind when you're, you know, an audience member in mind when you're creating your content? Like, who do you picture
1: Myself, like my okay. young younger me, <laughs> right, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen
2: year old Lacy, right, in that time where you were kind of, the, all the upheaval mm-hmm. was was happening.
1: Yeah, and I try to kind of stay really in touch with that part of myself because I think people forget, as they, I forget <laughs> as I'm getting older, you know, you you lose some of that raw. Memory of of right. what it feels like to be at that age and to be going through those things. Right. So keep holding on to that, and then speaking to that. I think is part of a big part of what I do.
2: Right. And of course, and one of the realities you're you're making videos on YouTube. I mean, you know, yeah. you're you're talking about these things on YouTube. You also got to be a marketer, right? Right. And so that takes an <laughs> yes. interesting an interesting uh, direction. Mm-hmm. You know, you've called some of the your approach Frank. You might say some of your your your. Uh, video titles are frank like <laughs> dirty vaginas freaky labia shaving pubes just like to the name titles? a few are they
1: great <laughs> well well before
2: you get into the strategy i will say that you know obviously if you're making video videos mostly for women but when a girl makes a video called shaving pubes there's gonna be a bunch of dudes watching that as well right so do you ever look at the analytics and think about i hope this is a how to the the dirt the dirty old man what is the dirty old man factor and is there like a 40 percent? i don't
1: want to think about it
2: (laughs) but it's a reality it's a reality right
1: no i actually my audience is very male or female dominated it's like 70 or 80 percent um between 13 and 25 because once they
2: once they get in they're like oh She's not actually shaving her pubes. But then they're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, okay, got it. I'm not, I'm not gonna be into this. So. Yeah,
1: no, there's definitely some weird stuff. But just like any YouTuber, you just have to have tough skin and just let it kind of roll off your back. Um, right. It definitely bothered me a lot when I was younger. The weird stuff, okay. curvy stuff. I don't really pay as much attention to it anymore. It. And I also think that I command more respect because I'm more confident mm-hmm. now, and I think that comes through on camera. I'm, I'm an adult now. When I started, I was not an adult. Yeah. You know? right. So I think that has uh, changed the way that people comment on my videos too.
0: Right. What is the strategy with the, with the titling?
1: <laughs> the strategy is I want you to feel entertained and you know, there's a little bit of tabooness, right? That's okay. I think that it pulls people in. You have to meet people where they're at with these topics. That's another guiding force for me is where are people at with it? Not where I'm at, not where doctors are at or public health officials are at. How are kids talking about it? and that's how they're talking about it. <laughs> so right. I wanna speak the language that I know that works and would speak to me.
2: Yeah, and at the same time, it doesn't hurt that co- having a sensational title it leads to more views, right? I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's I mean, part of it as well.
1: You guys are YouTubers. Oh yeah, We've, boy. <laughs> We're all YouTubers here.
2: We've tried it all, Actually, all caps. freaky is where word we haven't used a lot. We use crazy, <laughs> bizarre, insane, Weird. We actually use Bonkers recently.
1: Bonkers. Whoa. We literally
2: have meetings for a mythical morning team. Where we sit around and try to come up with new ways to say crazy. And yeah. I recently pitched bonkers. Wow. And it, it, it won. I like that. And we made a video called Bonkers Summer Camps. I, I pitched And it's doing well. I
0: pitched totes redic something. <laughs> that, that that didn't work. That didn't work. No, yeah, I yeah. like we, bonkers yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. I might
1: have to use that.
0: Yeah, yeah. You yes. can bring it back in style. Feel, feel free to take bonkers <laughs> and run okay, with it.
1: I'll credit you for it. <laughs> bonkers what?
0: What would it be? Bonkers
1: bonkers. Sex? I don't know. <laughs> that's obvious one, sex. right?
0: Bonkers vagina with teeth. Okay. Yeah, no, that's right. Oh, yeah. God. You did talk. You did
2: recently say that in a video. Not recently, but one of your videos did clarify that there are, are ne- has never been teeth found in like, that is, actual
1: vagina teeth. That is true.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. No I'm, I didn't know that. I'm so glad I didn't, that you clarified know, it. I didn't know <laughs>
2: anyone was wondering that. Oh, I was wondering.
1: Oh, people wonder. I oh, get dude. emailed about all kinds of weird <laughs> stuff. They're like. I'm like, where are you finding this? What kind of weird porn are you watching? You know.
0: <laughs> but but there. But you did say that teeth have been found in like the uterus. Yes. Other parts.
1: Mm-hmm, because of the types of cells that are in there.
0: So that's it's not like a
1: conjoined strange.
2: twin you know, that didn't unjoin. That's just.
1: I don't think so. What you are know they what called? That is? Teratomas. They're teratoma oh, cells. Teratomas. Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Well, you know what it really is. Hashtag called.
1: science. What?
2: Bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that uterus teeth is Touché. bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta click on that. That's if, if you can always picture the voice of the dirty, when you look at your analytics no, no, and you no. see that we're like 10%, that. you just picture a guy like this right here. Oh,
0: I think he sounds <laughs> like a professor. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hmm,
0: what's Lacey talking o- about Oxford. today? An Oxford
2: professor. Bonkers. <laughs> this is bonkers. Bonkers. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about men. Let's talk about feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is a big part of your content, and uh, we're going to talk about Sam Pepper. Just give you a heads up: we're going to talk about oh, Sam Pepper. Great,
1: my favorite topic. <laughs>
2: um, but first, let's talk about you know how do you feel about the fact that uh, y- your content does kind of invite, in some senses, the same type of thing that you're trying to battle, right? Because you know, sexist dudes are going to see you in a certain way because you talk about sex,
0: frankly. As a target? As a target. Mm -hmm. Does that happen?
1: Yeah, of course. Have you read my comment section? (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, so what?
2: I mean, so what? How do you process that?
1: Mm. I I don't really anymore. (laughs) It's not like a part of my regular processing. I've kind of gotten over the fact that that just happens online. But yeah, I mean, at first it was really upsetting to me, I also found that I get that kind of that kind of feedback no matter what I upload. It doesn't matter if it's about sex, although that probably just makes them feel like they have license. to Do even more, but the fact that I'm a woman makes them feel like they have license. Right. The fact that I talk about my life or sexuality, you know, gives them license. There's a lot of aspects of what I do that make them, like you said, see me as a as a target. But I'm not gonna let them.
2: And you're, not, me, and you're not you know, going to just... feed the trolls. You're smart enough to not feed the trolls. No. You're I... not going to make a video where you get upset about that behavior.
1: No. Although I have made videos before calling it out, calling out that behavior um, when that I was go? younger, very badly. Right. Very you, you badly. Learned,
2: you learned the lesson.
1: Yeah, I learned the lesson, but I think also the community learned the lesson too. <laughs> like there was a bit of an exchange I had with some YouTubers, and it was a it was growing pains. Um, but I think, honestly, it's not a healthy way to handle it. But it is
2: one of the most difficult things to resist, right? When, mm. when people, especially when you're younger, when people say something and you're like, that doesn't, you're stupid. That doesn't, that's <laughs> not me. You're misrepresenting me. You're mischaracterizing me. Yeah. You're, uh it's just, it's so hard to not respond, but all they want you to do is respond. Yeah. So they can be legitimized.
1: That's true, they want you to legitimize them, but I just don't really care. Like, like why, why do I owe, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do I, I don't owe you any explanation, or I don't need to defend myself, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. I know what this is about. The fact that you're misrepresenting it is a completely different issue, and I'm not gonna entertain right. it, you know?
0: Right. Can you give us the complete Sam Pepper story from your perspective?
1: God, really? The complete one?
0: Just complete like how how you were, you know, like what your,
2: how it all happened from your perspective when people started reaching out to you and the, the video you decided to make, just yeah. for people who may not know that whole story.
1: Yeah, so it was really awful. It was like a really bad experience for me, seriously, because I... Um, I've talked about sexual violence stuff and I speak at a lot of schools about it. And so I've become like a place that people feel like they can talk to about this stuff. I noticed this stuff online. You know, a floodgate was open. Let me start at the beginning. (laughs) The beginning was Sam Pepper is a UK YouTuber who uploads prank videos. I'm using my air quotes right Mm -hmm. now. Prank videos where he grabs women on the street He forces his mouth on them and these videos are very uncomfortable. The women are like seriously weirded out that this guy is putting a camera in their face and grabbing them and making out with them on the street. And if a guy ever did that to me, I was like, oh my God, he would have been punched in the face by Mm -hmm. now. Do not touch me. But these girls are like, oh my God. You know, they don't they're shocked about what's going on. And he's making all these videos and getting all, you know, he's got tons and tons of views and I become a little bit concerned once he crosses a line and he starts to grab um, a bunch of women's butts with a fake hand and he's like freaking them out. Right. So I just wrote this letter, this open letter, saying, hey, this is not an appropriate message to send out to your audience. It's not an appropriate way to treat women on the street. This is now, harassment. The,
0: the letter. The letter. So let's, let's stop for one second and say, okay, the decision to write the letter, what went into that for you?
1: Um, feeling like I had to say something. I just was like, what is going on? And people were messaging me about it. And there was a lot of upset about it. And people just sort of looked to me as, oh, that's her topic. Can you help us out, right? Mm -hmm. She talks about the sexuality stuff. She talks about sexual violence.
0: And you Uh, chose a letter, not a vlog at first. Yes. What? Well,
1: I chose a letter because I didn't want it to be such a big thing. I wanted it to be low-key, like, let's hope he sees this. I just wanted him to read the letter. That was, yeah, it was like a point. Tumblr post, right? Yeah, it was just a Tumblr post. Um, but then all these people started, YouTubers started contacting me about the letter. They were also very upset. And I realized, whoa, a lot of YouTubers were also feeling really awkward about this and didn't know what to say. They wanted to co-sign the letter. And I started getting hundreds of people like, can you add my name? Can you add my yeah. name? The letter on, U- on Tumblr gets 100,000 some notes and goes very viral. It's like my most viewed, I think, uh, post on Tumblr. So there's a lot of community traction around it. Then, because you know, all the eyes were on this, me talking about Sam Pepper, then I started, I got a couple of emails from girls who met him and had very concerning experiences at places like VidCon Mm -hmm. um and you know it was two or three girls one of them was actually in the middle of a lawsuit that she was going to uh press charges against him and was reaching out to me just to say hey you should know that I'm actually working on a lawsuit right now Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about pressing charges you know she's already in the system with this you should know if there's other people coming forward about this I would like to know that just for me as a person, um, you know, and I realized the situation. The situation just got so much bigger right. for me and, all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, you became a focal point of people wanting to respond. Yes. And after the letter,
2: you know, before you took any other action, mm-hmm. at that point, did you hear anything from Sam Pepper or from you know his fans? Yes.
1: Yes. Sam Pepper was messaging me. And he was threatening me on on Twitter, and I was getting emails and tweets, and it was not pretty. He didn't want me to talk about it, and he was clearly trying to intimidate me a little bit, and I was like, "Uh uh-uh, you're talking to the wrong person. I'm not going to be intimidated by you, you know? And that just sort of gave me more, like, urgency to the situation. If he's trying to get me to shut up, what is going on? Hmm. You know, like, what is the situation that I've accidentally stumbled into, um
2: and you and you were open about the fact that he was threatening you yeah you uh yeah
1: because i think people should should know how he's behaving and how he's responding because i think it's really telling the way that he responded um and concerning and i think that people you know you talk about it people think i'm i'm trying to like do something for myself like people try to make it like i was trying to get attention like what people don't know is i'm like the least I don't want attention about this kind of stuff like this is terrible complicated messy stuff like, i don't want to be mixed you know mixed up in that
0: and and you, I, you I, hadn't built your um career on calling out individuals no. and policing um other people
1: no that's, your not my, that's not my style i prefer to talk about the issue not the person but in this case this person is a real predator mm. in the community and i i was worried about him going to conferences and I was, you know, some of the things that have been disclosed to me, details of the lawsuits, you know, it's terrifying.
0: So what, and so then there was the exchange, which uh, he was making public tweets and then you, so you were making public the, the exchange you were having with him. Yes. And then what?
1: And then there was some, a lot of stuff working with a few people behind the scenes. There was a ton of press too. Oh yeah, that was a big stressor too because then all of a sudden BBC wants to talk about this and all these big major media outlets and I, oh my god, I thought I was going to collapse and like or like explode, one or the other, right? Because I was also on tour while all this is going on. I'm speaking at a new university every day. Mm-hmm. I've got tons of events, my schedule's super packed and I've got this enormous mess on my hands online, and I'm all alone. You know, it was this you know, a massive inter- implosion. And you
2: kind of, you really sense that it, when you make your vlog, Sam Pepper Exposed, you're sitting on the bed in the hotel room, you look like you have, you know, you're just, you're so not a willing participant in this. It's like, I am so reluctantly involved in this yeah. and speaking, and you can sense it in what you're saying.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it was a lot of stress for me and I didn't want to do the wrong thing. I wanted to make sure I was handling this right. I felt like I had a lot of eyes on me. I did have a lot of eyes on me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get myself in legal trouble. I didn't want to make false accusations. I didn't want any bad thing to happen. right? I wanted like justice to be served and that's it. I needed to figure out the best way that I could facilitate that because at this point, everyone was like, well, Lacey, We'll handle it. And in some ways, I'm a little bit upset that more people didn't try to help me out. Like a lot of people just preferred to watch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: not. But maybe they feel felt as helpless as I did. You know, they were like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> and I didn't know what to do either. You know, it's just it was a big mess. So.
0: And so when you said I was alone, you you experienced support, but it was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna back you up with what you did, but and like I'll add my name to the list yeah. or. Things like that, but what were you alone? Did you find any help? If that was a lawyer or anybody, you know, like mm-hmm. what kind of help did you find? Were there any resources? And I think as as a community, um, is there a you know is there feedback for the community at large? Because I think that's that's important to hear. Is that you know you there was a lot of support externally but then internally as you were navigating this it sounds like maybe people didn't know how to help yeah but how could how could they
1: i think that people could have been more vocal and could have maybe it would have been nice to have someone reach out and be like hey do you need like help (laughs) do you need an ear do you what can i do you need some support in this um that would have been helpful for me because i was You know completely alone and trying to figure out some resources i contacted friends of mine you know in this in the sexual violence space i'm very well connected and i used to be a counselor for the the state for california state so i am connected to state resources in california um so the la case was something that i felt more equipped to handle but there was another one in buffalo and another one in the uk and those situations helping them wasn't sure how to do it handling it publicly Wasn't sure how to do it, Mm -hmm. you know. Wasn't sure like what the right. How do I do this? This is really bad, guys. Like, do I just
0: right? ah, So when you made when you made the video, yeah. Like what what um what was the decision to make the video at that point, and then how did that go?
1: The decision to make the video was needing these conferences to kick him out um that was a big part of it and needing people to know that this is a a high-risk situation and people need to have their eyes on this and need to pay attention to what's going on over here we don't we can't just sweep this under the rug this is like a real serious issue that's happening at these conventions um and i felt like if i don't say it who is no one right no one was going to say anything um and People did – a few people said stuff after I did, but it was still a very few people who really publicly talked about this issue. And I think it was a lot of people who I would consider part of the more feminist community, the LGBT community. But you were
2: kind of expecting to speak up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Not like people who have – more overlap with these actual audiences right with with sam pepper's audience like that is a different community and i wanted more people who are in that community to speak up and say hey we don't stand for this this is not okay this is not an okay way to interact interact Mm -hmm. (laughs) with your fans and we need to have higher standards for ourselves and have more awareness of what kind of content we're posting online what kind of message we're sending to people what are we building our channels off of Mm -hmm. harassing women is that going to be your channel theme right like is that acceptable no it's not acceptable and i feel like nobody wants to say that nobody wants to talk about that and especially not people who are more you know further away from my community on youtube
2: and so the the aftermath of you kind of bringing these things to light you know the the accusations and 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 these things it i mean this pretty much did him in I mean really you know he, he got dropped by his network mm-hmm. uh, he kind of went away from YouTube for a good while
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, he was he blacklisted from VidCon as an example maybe playlist and other, other conferences but you made a follow-up video video where you kind of explained that you felt like appropriate action had not really been taken Thing, things had not gone far enough
1: that's right I, I think he should be in jail mm-hmm. <laughs> I absolutely do um he should not be running around in the world and you know i am aware i, I don't i can't follow him cuz it's really upsetting to me but like my friends kind of keep an eye on him and let me know and he's still doing some shady stuff you know i i know he's still doing and i don't i feel helpless i don't know what's mm-hmm. i don't know so for me i've just had to like you
0: he's still on, making youtube videos
1: um i don't know if he's still making youtube videos some of the situations that i've heard about have happened over snapchat because he uses Snapchat. Oh, uh, okay. So, um, yeah, there's still there's very much unrest in my soul <laughs> about this situation. Yeah. And that video was the earliest of that unrest, um, but it's still there. And it's not just about Sam Pepper either. It's about, you know, feeling like, oh, YouTube is such a utopia in a lot of ways, but here's this, like, dark part that we have to confront. Yeah. And no one wants to and it's really uncomfortable and no one knows how and feeling like i'm the only person mm-hmm, yeah. it, like i don't feel equipped if i don't feel equipped who does well you you, know?
2: i mean, i can say from from my perspective just to you know encourage you somewhat it, you may feel like a, you know justice hasn't been served specifically with him but i would say that you impacted the culture of youtube prank videos in a significant way you i'm think not so? saying, i'm i'm not i'm not saying that it's stopped yeah but i'm saying that I feel like there are a lot of people out there who may have supported or liked a video, but now they think about is is someone being taken advantage of? Mm-hmm. It, it, what is the motivation behind this? Yeah, I mean, it made me. I mean, obviously th- that that particular video uh, where he's grabbing the butts was there's he's crossed so many lines that it's you, every most people are like, okay, this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. But I think there's so many other videos that got. Close to that line, approach mm-hmm. that line. That we're really already breaking an, a, a line, mm-hmm. and I think you know it makes other people be more sensitive to it. Yeah. So I so I think you know it's not like the battle isn't over by any means, but yeah. you contributed. It. You threw a large bomb <laughs> out there <laughs> that was effective.
1: Thank you. I that that is very nice to hear, um, because I always I often feel defeated. Like you know. It, it hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when you're an activist, it's easy to just kind of focus on what's wrong instead of what's right. Like, yeah. you know, focusing on, wow, there's still so much on there. Like, what do I do? Instead of acknowledging what you just said, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so we have to take what we can get. Yeah, I and I think
2: it, it, the, another thing we want to talk about quickly is, you know, there's the overt stuff, the obvious taking advantage of women in the way that Sam did. In his videos and uh, apparently in private too, uh, but then there's the more subtle sexism, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you got a couple of guys like us, mid thirties, maybe even older than that now. <laughs> growing up in North Carolina and surrounded by tobacco fields, mm-hmm. uh, there's you know there's no doubt that we say inadvertently sexist things. Let's leave things. tobacco out of this first. <laughs> well, why you got to complicate it with tobacco? Because that's that just makes it more complicated. Okay, all right, forget the tobacco. Just trying to set a scene yeah, here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are the inadvertently, or maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe it's not inadvertent. What are the sexist things that you hear being said and see being done that it's just like, okay, you guys should know about this. Stop saying this, stop doing this.
1: Online, like know, on YouTube it's... or in life or. In,
0: Either, whatever yeah. comes to mind. Things that we need to stop saying that maybe, oh, not goodness. that you've heard us say it. Yeah. but that.
1: Yeah, I think for me as a woman, one of my recurring experience of sexism is constantly being uh, reduced to how I look. Um, and I think that we all do this to each other to some extent, but I think women kind of get a really raw – and the raw end of the deal on this. And also being on camera all the time, you know, feeling like everyone's very judgy of women and, and people don't listen to what I'm saying – and it's been such a battle to be like, did you hear the words that just came out of my mouth? Like mm-hmm. I just said them. Are you, hello, are you there? Um, and I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily like a on YouTube thing. That's just my interactions in life. Um, but on YouTube, I think that people need to be aware of representi- how we're representing women and kind of making sure that it, we're leveling the playing field. This is a new media platform that's amazing and exciting and a lot of you know, we have to be careful or the the patterns and the trends and the problems that are in traditional media will come in and affect this platform. Like, we have this great opportunity. We have to be aware, though, so that we can make sure that, you know, girls and people of color and the LGBT community are all having an equal opportunity on this platform as well. And that's kind of the stuff that I do at VidCon is a lot, a lot of working on making sure that the issues that those communities are facing are being addressed so that we can... All have mm-hmm. fun on on YouTube.
0: Do you feel like you're gonna have to step up and call more people on the carpet? Like it sounds like it's the last thing that you want to do from just a, a a personal quality of life standpoint <laughs> yeah. to go through that again. But is there a is there a need for that? For, for you to start calling more more instances out? Like, I mean, there, you've got the video about sexism in horror movies, mm-hmm. but it's not like you're looking at the latest movie that just came out and you're like picking apart the Fast and the Furious 7. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about something like that in, in general?
1: I do, the the stuff I do with MTV,
0: mm-hmm. my MTV
1: browless stuff, that is more along those lines. Okay. It's more along the looking at like current pop culture and current events and stuff and people um and looking at the conversations that are happening and dissecting that more but i don't like as a as like my personality i don't like conflict and i don't like mm-hmm. you know the approach i i struggle with how to approach calling someone out as mm-hmm. you say right because i don't i don't want to like complicate it and make it a personal vendetta it's it's because it's not about the person it's about a behavior or something but it gets personal. Does that make sense?
0: How does the MTV yeah. show work? What's the format there? I having not seen it.
1: Yeah, um, it's just like a feminist pop culture analysis. My analysis of stuff that's. Going Where do you on. shoot
0: it? You go into a studio in yeah. LA. This is not like.
1: It's in Oakland. My the studio's in Oakland. Okay. Um, yeah, the sets in Oakland, and we have a crew there, and we shoot um, every week. It's like uh, we do seasons, so there's on and off seasons we're in the third season right now um and it's just you know we're kind of looking at stuff that's relevant to the mtv audience and adding a little bit of an academic flair and adding a little bit of social commentary and kind of giving people new ways to look at different situations that are happening like we did some stuff about mad max and um you know about all kinds of movies magic mike and beyonce Nicki minaj we were talking about all these things through the feminist lens, mm-hmm. um, through an understanding of you know gender and sexual equality. And
0: what's the filter there? How do you apply that filter to um, your music videos? Your music, not your <laughs> music videos. You know your your run of the mill music video, whether it be a Nicki Minaj or something. Where it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it, the the era of '90s rap music videos is it, it's changed a little bit. But not enough, I would imagine, in, mm-hmm. in your view.
1: Yeah. Um, the
0: objectification of women in music videos.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> we talk about that a lot on, yeah. on Brawlis and like all the different angles of it to help people really understand what it looks like, to help them understand how to identify it and why it's a problem. And what the difference is, too, with the objectification stuff, what the difference is between objectifying someone and just being sexual. Because sometimes people are like, "Oh, we're not allowed to be sexual anymore. Women can't be sexy. I'm not allowed to look at their bodies." How do you delineate? <laughs> the, well, the difference is who's the consumer and who is, you know, who's who's got the power. Like Nicki Minaj, we've talked about her videos. Is it objectifying? Do people objectify her? Absolutely. But she is the one that is in control of it. You know, she is the one that is choosing. It's her sexuality. She's expressing her sexuality, um, and it's a but,
0: but what a. But it's not that simple, right?
1: No, it's not that simple, but that's a big part of it, is empowering women to be sexual and identifying situations where women are being told they have to be sexual in order to make money or whatever. And that's where it gets complicated, right?
2: Mm -hmm. It (laughs) Uh is complicated. I know. It is complicated, right, because you've got, uh, okay, well maybe a woman is making the choice, but maybe she's being influenced by the culture Yes, And what are the expectations of her body and Mm -hmm. how she should present her body, which aren't necessarily expectations that she set. Yes. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, absolutely. And so it's that context that that type of context for a lot of things that are going on in the world and in the media that we're looking at. And it's not like making this is bad. This is good. This is right. This is wrong. Um, That's not my approach. My approach is let's take a look at all the angles here and kind of figure out the best, most just, most informed way to digest these situations. Does that right. make sense?
0: Yeah. So, do you like Nicki Minaj?
1: I do. I love Nikki. I think she's done like some weird stuff, like the Nazi video, like what was that? <laughs> I don't know what's we'll just, going we'll on. We'll overlook that. Maybe
2: uh, yeah. she didn't know what a yeah, was. Yeah,
0: maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but really? you know,
1: yeah, I mean, people are complex, they're complicated. They're not just good people or bad people. People do complicated things, right?
0: right? <laughs> well, thanks for allowing us to explore the complexities of uh, everything that is your life. Oh, well, thank you. In this podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. No, thank you for inviting me. I feel like this was a little bit of a therapy session on the pepper front. Like, <laughs> oh, let really? me lay it out, guys. Right. Well, we should have brought the couch out. Yeah. Next time. Where's the Kleenex box? Next right. time we'll
0: do that. No. Well, what, so what's the conclusion if, if it felt like therapy for you? <laughs> I think we sent her a bill. I think that's oh, the conclusion. Okay.
1: The conclusion is you get paid. <laughs> oh, great.
2: All right, we'll look for that.
1: Yeah, you might be looking for a while.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're out.
2: There you have it, our Ear Biscuit with Lacey Green. Let her know what you thought about the conversation. You can do that on Twitter. Her
0: handle is GoGreen18. GoGreen18, make sure you use hashtag Ear Biscuits. Yeah, uh, we love it when you give feedback. Also, when you leave a review for us and this podcast on iTunes, or comment along with us on SoundCloud, sex education. Um, I feel like I was educated. Yeah, I, I learned some stuff. I'm a uh, 37-year-old man. And and it, you know, it was challenging uh, at the end there, so we don't need to rehash that, but I will just say that I appreciated uh, what Lacey had to say, and that gave us a lot to think about as members of this community and how we should stand up when someone's doing the right thing and help them um, and support them in that.
2: And she's also just, you know, she is one of the only people focusing on this kind of content and she's not, uh, you know, despite the fact that she titles her videos in a certain way to to, like, to get views, she's actually doing it uh, also because it is, she wants to be able to have a frank unapologetic conversation about sex because she thinks that that's important for people to uh, know about it in a in a frank way, which I think makes me think about our experience just growing up and how, I mean, I, there was no YouTube, there was no Lacey Green. Mm-mm. So how did you at first hear about sex? I mean, how did you, what, Well, what was the world of, how was it opened Sue, up to you?
0: Sue, my mom, um, she worked for the health department. That's convenient. Back in Harnett County, and it turns out that in the lobby of her workplace, they have all types of sex education pamphlets. Oh yeah, pamphlets are very helpful. One of with stick figures. Oh gosh. And one of one of which she decided to give to me, and she said, "All right, this is going to teach you some things you need to know as as a boy who's you know starting to go through puberty and stick figuring figures, th- figuring things out. Yeah, there's. Uh, How old were you? I don't remember that, but when I got the pamphlet, maybe I don't know. I might have been twelve. Mm-hmm. I went. I was like, okay. She was like, if you have any questions, ask me. But she didn't like read it to me like a bedtime story. Right. She gave it to me, and I went into my room, and then I went into my closet. Okay. Closed the door to my room. Closed the door to my closet. Sat in the closet in the dark with a flashlight oh, and my read this pamphlet. You
2: were that scared of it. I was. Were you scared of she? But the funny thing is, is you took all the steps that someone who's trying to hide something from their mom takes, but your mom had given, given you the to, pamphlet. Yeah, so, so who?
0: And you didn't have anybody else in the house. Who are you hiding from? Yeah, I didn't have any siblings. Um, I I just felt like it was the type of thing you want to be in like a secret, like secret place to like read. You know? But I think
2: that that is indicative, or it's very telling of, you know, up to that point what you thought about it. Right.
0: This is this is like secret information that you should you don't want to talk about openly, and there's it's it could be shameful. I don't know. It's I don't know exactly what I was thinking, but I felt the need to hide. Yeah, which I think kind of speaks to why Lacey
2: has felt the need to talk about things in the way that she does. I mean, because you know, I also think it's generational because. I think that we're going to be a lot more apt to talk about sex with our kids so we'll make sure that they're educated more so than we were because my my parents didn't work at a health department uh, and they didn't there were no pamphlets and no stick figures there was just figuring it out through you know conversations with friends inference yeah right um, which I don't necessarily think is the most healthy way to 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 learn about it. There was
0: never like a definitive birds and bees conversation with your parents. No, no, and no pamphlet.
2: No pamphlet, and you know, and I don't. I I mean, honestly, I don't really hold it against them because I don't. I don't think many people. I think you actually were probably in the minority at the time in the place where we were with parents that were having open, frank conversations about sex with their kids. I've, I went. It's because she had the pamphlet. She didn't even have a conversation. She gave you a pamphlet. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, but that's better than no pamphlet.
0: I also went to uh visit my dad one weekend around the same time and I learned a lot by watching Lethal Weapon 2. Oh wow. Yeah, well there's
2: a there's a scene where you can
0: learn a lot. Right. I learned at a least lot one from one scene there.
2: Yeah, and that's probably not the most healthy way
0: to learn. Well, it it sinks in pretty quickly. <laughs> it's still there, right? <laughs> it's still there. It sinks in and it stays. <laughs> yeah. And okay. I didn't, I didn't think I should be, have been watching that at that age. So I yeah, that was not. probably a healthy. Instinct. I didn't tell anybody. Healthy instinct,
2: but you didn't go in a closet and watch it because there was nothing like there was no small like VCR. Yeah, you, I mean you couldn't get like a little iPod in there. That didn't exist. Get a no, whole, it didn't. You right? couldn't get a whole cabinet with a TV inside of it inside a closet to then watch
0: <laughs> Lethal Weapon three, two, Lethal two. Weapon two. Oh, he lived in a mobile home. Oh, yeah, yeah I got it. I remember. Um. Okay, we'll, we'll bring another educational episode of Ear Biscuits at your ears next week. Uh, and it probably won't relate to sex because we got a lot of that this week. <laughs> yeah, we did. But maybe, hey, we we're on a roll. I don't know. No.